Turn with me to John chapter 11. Let's read God's inerrant word. Here on this first day of a new week, it's a joy to be in the house of the Lord with his people, to worship him, to rest our bodies for what's ahead. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve days, twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Joseph, or to Jesus rather, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God... God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, 
I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, for the clarity for the sufficiency, and may we bow now to the authority of what you've said to us and what you're going to say to us, that you'd bless your preacher, that you'd cause your might and your power to flow to each of us that we might know the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, for this is eternal life. And in believing, may we glorify you, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Last week, I reminded you that Jesus has stepped away from the immediate Jerusalem scene. He had gone over to the Transjordan area where John had ministered. And now he is, he is on the brink of coming back to Jerusalem and entering into those final days of his life. That's where we stand. 
here in John chapter 11. Uh, we're going to learn a whole lot more. John's going to pack in a bunch before he gets to the crucifixion of our Lord and the resurrection of our Lord. But that's where we are. We're right on the precipice of that great event. And we come to chapter 11. And we have the last of the miracles that Jesus did before he goes to the cross and before he is raised. And it shouldn't surprise us, though we may have not paid attention, it shouldn't surprise us that the last miracle is a resurrection miracle. So that that would be fresh upon the hearers' minds, those who saw it happen, and it should be fresh upon our minds as we think about our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we simply looked at the first, the first point in the outline. The glory of Christ motivates his timing. And I'll just, I'll just remind you of what that was all about. Jesus delayed his going to Bethany. And the reason he did this is told in verse 4. This illness does not lead to death. That is, ultimate death. This illness does not lead to death. It's for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. We saw this with the blind man. The blind man, the young man, had been blind since birth. Who sinned? His father, his mother, this man. Jesus said, none, but so that I might get the credit for this, so that I might be glorified. This has happened. We, 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 we forget that it's all about him. Doing a new members class, talked about worship this morning. This is what gets churches into trouble when they think it's about them. And so everybody's got their opinion about, well, this is the way I like it. That's the way I like it. I prefer this. I prefer that. And it's about what God prefers. It's about his glory. It's not about our glory. It's about his glory. It's about him getting the notoriety. It's about him being famous, not us. And so we're told to do what he likes. And aren't we glad that he tells us what he likes in the Bible so we don't have to guess? That's the horrible place to live. Without the authority of the scripture... The best you can do, some of the children in the community class right now, having heard Mr. Clout last Sunday afternoon, no, someone, it's today, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, whenever, I'm sure he echoed my words, it's in the workbook. If you, don't, if you don't have the Bible, if you don't believe the Bible, if you don't follow the Bible, the very best you can do is guess. And that's a horrible place to live. Some of you have been in places in your life where the things in this world were not sufficient to tell you, and you just had to kind of guess. Some of you have taken exams like that, right? This is a poorly worded exam question. And I'm just going to have to guess at what he's looking for or she's looking for. It's always bad, isn't it, for
for teachers when they realize that they so messed up a question that the students really couldn't show what they knew or didn't know. They were just guessing. Uh, We don't have to guess. God has told us. And he tells us right here again, what's going on with Lazarus? This is not, not about Lazarus so much as it's about God. It's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And I pointed out to you, that's just another another little way of saying what Jesus said back in chapter uh, 10, verse 30. I and the Father are one. The Father is to be glorified. Oh, that means I'm to be glorified also. If the Father is to be glorified, the Son must be glorified. And we can infer from that that the Spirit must be glorified also. We saw the wonder of the timing. Jesus waited two days, and then he gets there. And then he's already been dead two days at that time. And so a total of four days he's been dead, and he he stinks. I think, if I remember, some of you may have been reading the authorized version. I think that's actually how the old King James says, Lord, he's been dead four days. He stinketh. Well, we, the ESV kind of softened that. To, there, there's going to be an odor. If you've ever been around a dead carcass of an animal, odor is not the right word. Stink is the right word. And that's what they communicate to him. But he waited. He waited that he might be glorified. And one of the ways we saw last week that he is glorified is in our faith, in our believing. He said that in verse 15, as you were reading along with me, uh, the Lord told them, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there. I'm glad I waited. I'm glad that I did so that you might, here's the purpose, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. for his glory but one of the ways God is glorified is in our faith in our believing every time in this world we say to someone no I I believe God I trust God I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ I believe the spirit of the living God is in me and with me and working in my life and they look at you like you're an idiot and you're glorifying God Because you're giving God the credit. He's the one that does this. He's the one that gives us faith. He's the one who gives us repentance. He's the one who gives us salvation. He's the one who gets the credit and the glory. Even though we may not get the glory for what we believe. We actually may be looked at like we're idiots. Like we're crazy. Like we have lost our sense. And so the timing was all about the glory of God, and that includes the faith of his people. Second point where we want to go now quickly. The glory of Christ motivates his teaching. The glory of Christ motivates his teaching. His glory, he sets forth in verses 17 through 27, is, 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 is seen most vividly 
And it's going to be seen most vividly in the resurrection, in his resurrection. But in the meantime, right here today, Jesus says, I'm going to be glorified in the fact that I am the resurrection and the life. And so I'm going to raise Lazarus from the dead that I may be glorified and the father may be glorified. So the glory of Christ motivates his teaching and he's teaching them something about himself. Apparently, it was common to believe in the resurrection on that great day. Did you notice what Martha said in verse 24? Uh, Jesus said, uh, your brother will rise again. He was obviously speaking about in just a moment. And she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now that was both the common teaching of the church from the old covenant to the new covenant. You can go back to the book of Job, the earliest book in the Old Testament, and we've got the resurrection taught. You can go to the prophets, the book of Daniel, and you've got the resurrection and that great day taught. It's not an unknown time. It's on that last day is when the resurrection is coming. It's not some periodic thing. It is on that last day. John chapter 5 is clear on that. Jesus couldn't be more clear. That's the last judgment. That's the last day. That's the resurrection. Both the living and the dead will be raised. Both the, those who have been brought to faith in Christ and who have the hope of the new heavens and new earth and those who have been condemned to hell the reprobates she believed it she's re-speaking what he taught back in John 5 and what she knew from Job and what she knew from the prophets and Jesus said hmm now he doesn't say no no that's not right He's wanting her to understand something. And it's a lesson that we have to, we have to come to, y'all. We have a tendency, and there is a world religion that teaches this. Grace is a substance. Grace is something that God has a bunch of and he distributes Resurrection, likewise, is an event. It's something that's going to happen. And see, when you think that way, you don't think biblically. Jesus wants to teach us here. Jesus said, No, it's not a day, Mary. It's not an event, Mary. I am the resurrection. He could just as easily say, I am grace. I am mercy. I am resurrection. See, when, if we're not really careful, we thing it. You know what thinging it is? I just made that up. We make grace a thing. We make mercy a thing. We make salvation a thing. We make the resurrection a, a date, an event. We make the resurrection. We make life something about us living and Jesus says, no, I'm it. You want grace? You got to have me. You want mercy? You got to have me. You want the resurrection? You got to have me. You want life? You got to have me. I'm it. 
It's not a thing. It's not an event. It's not a substance. I am the resurrection. I am the life. That's important, folks. It's about Christ. He's going to be glorified. And if he's going to be glorified, then we have to credit him with everything. We can't talk about the resurrection apart from Jesus. We can't talk about grace apart from Jesus. We can't talk about mercy apart from Jesus. We can't talk about truth apart from Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said that. And that's what he's telling Mary. Mary, Mary, don't you understand? Martha, Martha, don't you understand? It's not an event. It's not a day. Although it, it is a day and it is an event. But I'm it. I'm the event. I'm the one that's going to make that day a different day. And by the way, I can do it right now. Because I have the power of the resurrection in me because I am God Almighty. Now, I want to read a verse of scripture. Because this, this, is, this is all about glorifying God. I've, I hope I've shown you that. That's what Jesus said in the beginning. This is so that the Father may be glorified and so that the Son may be glorified. And 1 Corinthians chapter 3. No, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It's a marvelous not unlike every other verse, a marvelous verse. It says this. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now I hope you can see. I hope that it's evident on the face of that verse why I just read it. This chapter 11 of John is all about the glory of God, the glory of Christ. And second. Corinthians 3.18 says that we are all, if we are in Christ, we are beholding the glory of the Lord. And in so beholding the glory of the Lord, we are, beho- we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. In Mark chapter 9, we could turn to Matthew's account, or we could turn to Mark's account, or Luke's account, but we're going to turn to Mark's account. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. 
and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good that we are here. Let us make three tents, uh, three tabernacles, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Jesus was transfigured, literally metamorphized, like a butterfly coming into the beauty of its, of its ultimate existence. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white. And you can't do that here on this earth with any kind of bleach, we're told. Right there in the scripture. Jesus is glorified in their, in their eyes. Right in their presence. And Pete, Paul t- picks up on that as I just read. And he says he was glorified. And we behold that glory and the person and work of Jesus Christ. And we reflect that. We are by in degree becoming like that. Being transformed. Again, there's the word. We're being transformed into that very image of Christ that's reflecting the glory of eternity, the glory of the Godhead. We're not God, but we're reflecting that. Like the moon's not the sun, it reflects the sun. So we're reflecting the sun of righteousness. That's what Jesus is teaching them here. When he says, I am the resurrection, I am the life. You can have no hope in the life to come unless you're in Christ. You can have no hope in living an enjoyable, joyful, full life in Christ here, but through faith in Christ. A lot of people try to live a joyful life with their traditions and with their laws. That was the Pharisee problem. And I don't know about you, anybody read anything about the joy of the Pharisees? I mean, I bet they just sat and scowled at Jesus while he was talking. Instead of having any joy in their hearts. Because their tradition and their laws that they had made, not God's laws, but their laws, were their life. The glory of Christ motivates his teaching. Something else I want us to see here before we finish with point two, and then we'll move next week to point three. I'm just going to turn in our handy-dandy confession actually to the shorter catechism I want to read you something we could say this is a is a summary statement of what we've we've read here in verses 17 and following
When Jesus says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is the way it's summarized in the Shorter Catechism. Question 37. What benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? The souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory. There's that word. And their bodies, being still united to Christ, do rest in their graves till the resurrection. Do you see why I say that's what Jesus just said? Whoever believes in me, though he die, though his body physically dies, the, 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 like the, the boy in, 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 in Kings, his breath went out of him, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's the reason Jesus could say back up there, uh, he's, he's dead, but it's, it's just like he's asleep. I can take care of that as easily as you can wake up a friend. So Jesus says, if you're dead in Christ, you're alive, finally. Some of us are walking dead in Christ. That happens more so sometimes as you get older. But when we die, we're more alive than ever. And why is that? Because being still united to Christ. Union with Christ. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Anyone who's in Christ is raised. Already. And not yet. We're already raised with the promise that we're going to be raised on that last great day. John chapter 5 speaks of. Where we're looking forward. We're looking forward to that final day. Because even though we're raised in Christ right now, in our union with Christ, our bodies still hurt. Our eyes still grow weak. But when the resurrection comes and the new heavens and new earth come, we're told that we won't have weak eyes anymore and we won't have aching bones anymore and we won't have joints that go bad. We won't have death and we won't cry tears of sadness because we're in Christ and because we've been raised to newness in life in Christ. And then Jesus asked the question. After he says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He asked this question, do you believe this? See, she'd already said she believed in that general resurrection, John chapter 5, Job, Daniel, 
But now he's come to a specific. Do you believe I'm the resurrection? I don't, I'm not asking you if you believe in an event where lives, bodies have been in the grave and they're going to be raised. I'm not asking you that if you believe that. You must believe that, but that's not the question here before the sister now. But do you believe I am the resurrection? That if anyone's in me, he's not dead. Lazarus is not dead in there. Though his body is in there, he's united to me. He is, he is raised to life in me. Now there's something to ponder. Jesus, the God-man on earth, Lazarus in the tomb. Was Jesus having communion with the Lazarus? We don't need to get off on that one. My answer is, yeah. Because he was fully God. And he was communing with the Father perfectly. And the Spirit was communing Father, Son, and Spirit. And yes, even though he was dead in the tomb, Jesus knew he was alive because he was having communion with him. Because he was united to him. Take that home and put that in your pipe. And smoke on that for a while. If you don't have a pipe, just think about it. And Mary says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. I believe everything you say. I believe everything about you. I trust you. I know it. I've read it in the Bible. I acknowledge that it's true. And I lovingly accept it, embrace it, and trust you. That's what Mary said. question is, what do you say? Do you believe Jesus is the resurrection and the life now? Not someday, but he is it. Don't do you, I'm not asking, do you believe in events? I'm asking, do you believe that Christ is all that? He's the thing that we have to believe. Father, thank you. And I ask now that you bless our time here, the hearing of your word, the preaching of your word, for our edification. As Paul says in Ephesians, that we might be built up so that we might then edify one another. We pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.